Lewis Stevens on Epsom Hospital Radio. What's up, everyone? We're trying a new thing today. Before I get on with my intro, here's a little clip from the podcast just to give you a bit of an idea of what's to come. I mean, you know, if you watch TV adverts, what what's interesting is the growth of like TV adverts that teaching you how to get the best credit score you can get or how to repair your credit score or making you so we're actually already being trained in get a decent credit score because then you can borrow money and that's no one you don't see as much if you save money you don't need a credit score <laughs> you know? and so we we it the using i mean there's nothing wrong with using debt right it, there's no it, it you know no one can buy a house around here cash unless they've inherited or, or lottery or whatever you know you don't you don't just have half a million so we're not going to pretend that but there's a way of if you start saving um it just means you've got something and there might be a time when you just needed a couple of grand that and it's there because if you borrow it and you pay minimum interest on it and it will last forever you'll pay back five grand you know whereas investing if you invest two grand you can turn it into five grand probably you know it's it's like backward you know Borrowing is backward saving, but you're, but other people get the money, not you. Borrowing is like backwards, backwards saving. The money goes. What what a statement! What's what's going on, everybody? That was a small little segment from today's episode. Michael from Aspen Financial Financial Services. The time for me is seven o'clock on the sixth of April. It's my birthday five days ago. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, no, I'm twenty five now. My biggest realization having this conversation around my birthday about being 25 was how your relationship changes with money over time, especially mine, because it feels like it was a bit negative before. When I was younger, I was, I don't care about money. I'm a free spirit hippie riding through the town of Epsom on my bicycle, wind in my hair. I want a beer. I'll have a beer. I want a burger. I'll have a burger. Whenever I want, I'm free. I'm a free man. I'm so free. I'm almost four. But, ladies and gentlemen of Epsom Town, my, my thoughts have been changed because I've realised something. Those 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 free, those feelings of being free by spending money over time create a sense of only being free if you're spending money. Therefore, looping back round and trapping me in the habit of having to spend money to have fun. Problem is with that, you've got to do it more and more. And then the problem is with that is you run out of it and you have to earn more. And then, boom, you're, you're, you're a slave to money. And that, that's how it happens. Now I'm, now I'm 25 and uh, I'm paying a lot of rent and I wish I'd listened. But I'm starting from today. I mean, listen to this podcast if you want a bit of a kick up the backsidey for saving money. Really, seriously, it's changed, it's changed me. There's a good quote that he says later on, Michael, um, where he talks about, oh, I wish I'd have bought my grandparents' house in the 80s. I'd, I'd be worth loads now. And then he says, but that same, that same mindset is holding you back, holding you back now. And we go on to talk about finance. We go on to talk about how hard it is as a millennial. And he also says how hard it is as a millennial to, create, to keep money because it's a bit unfair on us. And it's a local service. The time is seven o'clock, two minutes past seven on a Tuesday, Tuesday the 4th of April, 6th of April, I don't know if I've already said that already, this is take three for the intro, Maxi's Express is opposite me and he's currently putting some food into a bag, no he's not, that was a visual, that was an illusion, um, I thought the bag was, I thought the bag was a, was a bag but it was actually a person who with his hood up and the reflective nature of the windows put me off, he's walked outside the guy with the hood up quite a bit of swagger and he seems to be walking over into the shop below a lot of swagger going into that shop i hope that shop's all right um the chicken tray isn't that full must be a quiet night for maxi suppose they don't get too much busy on a tuesday but um well maybe maybe if i do the intro for next week's episode on a friday we'll have a bit more action for you um yeah so this is michael from aspen financial it's a really good episode to wake you up with money. As I said earlier, it's like a loop being a slave to stuff. And as he said, if you get to the point where you have to borrow, you're actually saving anyway, but you're saving to put in somebody else's account. 
it sounds really obvious, doesn't it? But you know, we live in a world at the moment where stacking money, having cars and owning clothes and things, that's what's in. That's what that's what gets you into all all the nightclubs. Well, listen, that's normal. <laughs> Wait, all the nightclubs. Look at me. Um, <laughs> uh, whatever people are doing nowadays, that way it does seem to be money and what you've got and how you look, you know, and what you're doing. That seems to be. Has that always been popular? I don't know. Is that is that always been the norm? Well, listen. This is this is the why aren't you normal Epson podcast. So if having loads of money and showing off is the norm, as it does seem to be in mainstream world, then. Um, we're not normal. We're looking below that. What makes people individual and what makes them who they are? How have other people found out who they are? You know, and they're here on they're here on the podcast to talk about their experience and and of why they're an individual, why why they aren't normal, because because he's normal. Does normal fit everyone? I don't know. This is this is what we're here. We're here to use the people, not use the people of Epsom. That sounds terrible. To we're here to yeah use the people of Epsom. Use their knowledge to help us. Because they want to. That's what humans naturally do. Uh, apparently, I think I think so. Anyway, I can. I've got lots of things to say about that, but that's for another intro. Um, Michael from the financial Aspen services, Aspen Financial Services. Here to talk about that. We'll get on with the podcast now. This is the Why Aren't You Normal Epsom podcast. We're looking below that level of normality into the into the eyes of people's souls or the souls of people's eyes. Whatever way around you want to do it. You can hear some music throughout this episode, as always. These are local musicians coming on with their music to share with you, you know, the ultimate expression of not normal. You know, people's real and audio, audible expressions going to be playing in your ears and in a way that might might get you to move in a not normal way. That's what we're about, keeping it fresh. Let's keep it fresh. So when that song comes in, I'll let you know because I've had some people say, it's a bit weird when the song comes in and you don't say anything and just takes up the conversation. And I understand that can be strange. So I'm going to see you when there's a song on. And for now, we're going to get on with the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. And I just hope you take something away from this. I really have because it's been making me think long term. And it's changed my opinion on what money is and what it can be and the role it should be playing in your life, not the role it is, how it can dominate your life. But I'll let Michael explain that with his words. When I was 17 to sort of 22, I didn't care. It came and it went. I just wanted to spend it on going out and having a good time. But I'm sort of realising now, you know, do I, to, to have freedom, to have spiritual freedom in a way. Money's crucial. Yeah. But I think I think that comes from, in a way, so you might still, so you look at, um, I don't know, you look at Elon Musk, you look at those kind of, because, you know, you recognise who they are. But yeah. he sold what he sold PayPal for 180 million. Now most people might have thought, "Well, that's it, that's me done now." But he didn't. Yeah. What he then did was the things he really wanted to do. So he built Tesla and he's building rockets and you know and so on. And he invested that that 180 million into those sort of lifestyle products that he was he really wanted to do. So my favorite thing, you know, on um, Facebook, there's many many groups where people say. Uh, they'll put a thing on there saying, can someone recommend this or recommend that? And whenever someone wants recommends a financial, can everyone recommend a financial advisor? There's always someone in there who will say, well, if they're any good, why aren't they retired? <laughs> and, and it's my favourite everything because for me, it's like, that's just a veneer. Because what you're basically saying is they're not ses- successful because they don't work anymore. But then you'd have to, then you'll be saying the same about Richard Branson, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, you know, and so on. Because actually, what you find is people make their money, and then they live their life, and their life is still work, but it's choice. So that's what. So if you love the creative side of what you do, why would you stop just because you got money in the bank? Yeah, yeah, and, and 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 just pursuing the money, you know. Okay, so you you have your money, and now what? You know what you're going to sit on a sunbed for the rest of your life. Like, is that yeah. something you really see yourself doing? Have you thought about the logistics behind <laughs> that sort of lifestyle? You find a lot of people, my neighbours, they say they retire and they go back to work because you know it's it's again that's probably that same thing I'm I'm getting from landscaping. I actually enjoy the the going out and making something. I don't want to do it forever. No way do I want to do it forever. But you know, there's 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 
it, it, like you say, it's the choice that it gets that brings you it. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, because you've got clearly you've got a creative side to you. So what you might do is at the moment you use we all use our skill sets to make money, right? Because that's what we do. We monetize yeah. what we're good at. So, but what and and so what if you you got to a point where you didn't need to do that particular job, but you could still use a creative side, and then you'd enjoy it more because then the freedom of not worrying about paying your mortgage or not worrying about you know, rent, whatever, then removes the stress of having to bring in a one to 31. Because if you think about it, most people think one to 31. So on the first of the month, I get some money. It's got to last 31 days and then I get some more money and so on. If you can remove the one to 31 and turn it into one to zero, you know, wherever you like it to be, then you can think differently and then you can create and then you can, you know, look at the amount of people that work for charities. You know, I, I wouldn't mind doing an afternoon in a charity shop, you know, if I didn't need to work. Do you know what I mean? You can do those things because you still want to be social. Because I think, so, yeah. as we've learned this last year, I think we've all realised how social, how, how much of a social life we've missed. And so yeah. it's very hard to retire and be quite insular, I think. And a huge plus of the internet would be that, you know, before workers were just workers you know they, they 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 just left school like my dad would say he just left school and was like there, there's you go down and work in the factory or you want to go and work here but with the uh, rise of the internet and, and communication it, mm. do you think it's become easier or for, for the for the modern person to become more acquainted with how they can better use their finances um, or do you think that it's just the richer getting richer basically I think that will always be the case, but that's because they they are financially literate. See, financial literacy doesn't come from having money. Um, if you if you can't manage a thousand pounds, you still can't manage ten thousand. You've got to you've got to learn. It's this, you've got to be financially literate with, first before you have money. You you will. Unfortunately, a lot of the wealthy people, if you look at their background, it will come from what their parents taught them because probably their money came from their parents. Um, or, or some sort of background where they were, or even like their peer group, you know, it's all who you talk to, it's who you spend your time with as well, because who do we aspire to be? Do we aspire to be some celebrity on the TV that we don't really know and don't really know anything about them financially or, or physically? Or is it someone who you do know, you know, you look at a business owner who's built a business, you sort of know, you kind of know more about them because you physically see what they've created. And they're the sort of people that I kind of migrate to, or I've always sort of, <laughs> I'm quite inquisitive. And, and I, I've always wanted to, when I've met clients and I see them being successful, I'm like, how did you do that then? You know, because I've, yeah. I've seen successful solicitors and I've seen solicitors with, with huge amounts of debt doing exactly the same role. There's no difference between the two in terms of their skill set, really, other than maybe one of them has a different outlook on, the risks they're willing to take and the the financial literacy of, of what they're doing you know there's got to be something there that's different and do you think it's a, a, a general understanding or passion for what they're doing i think sometimes i think if you chase the money you think of the words you're always chasing you're never in front so yeah. i think if you build your skill set understand because okay, so when i became a financial advisor it's quite interesting it's probably the only job I've ever had where I wanted to so I'm, I'm regulated so I have to prove to the government that I can do my job or the Bank of England now that I can do my role my job title but when I wanted to open up my own business I then had to prove I could run a business as well as be a financial advisor so that's quite important so they they tested both my business kind of acumen and also my skill set as my job title and I wonder how many people ever actually do that. You know, can you run a business first? Not can you run a business being an electrician or, you know, whatever. And, and it's understanding that you are too right. If you wrote down your, what, what a lot of, I think, self-employed should do or people should just do, write down your job title. What is it you do? What's your job description? My job description, I've got two. I've got one as a director, which is building the business and making sure that it, it does what it needs to do. And he's attractive to new clients and attractive also to existing clients. And then I've got the other one, which is I'm a financial advisor. And what's my, and do I maintain my skill set there? Do you, would yeah. I employ me is what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and how many people would do that? 
is really important. Yeah, yeah. Self, I used to view business as this, being a young rebellious teenager, as this like evil corporation, <laughs> soul sucking, um, like a thing that's taken over the world. But then as I grow up now, I see it as like a like like organisms like that that, that are just growing and evolving and adapting yeah. with the way that we are uh, evolving, adapting. They're as much a part of us as you know as our whole society. I walked down the street before when I was looking at this podcast, I looked at all the shops and I just, like before I'd have no interest, but I'm like, wow, like this is in a sense why we're all, why we're all here, you know, all these services and all these things. And yeah. it, it, it goes, it, it isn't, you know, it, it depends. I suppose what you're saying, I guess how I've interpreted it is just depends on how you view what you do um, in a way is will, in a sense, bring the money afterwards, I guess. Are you saying I don't focus so. on the money, focus on what you're doing and the money will come with it? I, I think so. It. So if you look at like, you look at brands you know, let's say Apple, for example, because everyone's heard mm. of them, right? <clears throat> They're not the only phone maker. They're not the only iPod maker. They're not the only computer provider, right? But they don't say that. They don't, you know, when you watch an advert on telly, and I'll get this wrong, but most adverts on telly or what most adverts you see tend to be, we make this. We're really good at it. This is how much they cost. You want one? Whereas Apple tend yeah. to, well, that's marketing, right? Yeah, yeah. But Apple tend to say daft things. They'll say, "We really want to change the world and the way that you perceive the world and the way that you react and and, and engage with your world." Um, the way that we do that is we make these really nice computers. Do you want one? <laughs> Same. Said a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and so they. They have a very, di- <laughs> they say the same words, but in a very different way. And what yeah. they're, 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 they're saying, we're changing the world. We're changing the way that you're going to engage with your world. And you're not buying a physical product anymore. You're buying access to what they've just said. And I, An experience, yeah. And and that's how they've built their brand. Their brand you know, the amount of people, who queues up for a new phone? Yeah, you see it, don't you, every year? <laughs> right? They ain't queuing, but they're not queuing up for the new phone, are they? They're queuing up for the message of owning that. Yeah. And that's the genius of it. And I think that a lot of business owners out there understand that. A lot of the businesses you see, like collaboration, you look at Amazon, for example. Amazon doesn't own, well, it does now, but, you know, Amazon doesn't own any shops. Airbnb doesn't own any hotels. Uber, Uber doesn't own any taxis. You know, <laughs> they don't. They don't have a product, really. They have an aspiration. No. Yeah, they 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 provide, and it's minimal, isn't it, really? Because they just sit back while every they provide the platform. Yeah. For for it, but you know, to be fair. That's how we've grown as a business. So, like Leanne here, who um, she started here as a as our sort of office man, like support, really, for the you know for the advisors, and because she had three, she had three children, so she couldn't commit you know, time and probably mind space for too much, to be fair to her. But, you know, she's been here now four years. She's she's now studied to become a wheel writer because we'll, we'll back anyone who's got, we see, if we see something that where they want to move on, they want to increase their skill set and engage, we'll help them grow. Because if people within a business grow, the business grows. That's how it works. Mm. I, and I think... It's really hard in, you know, because in our lives, we're always taught with finances to become quite insular with it. We don't talk about money, right? And I think sometimes when you're trying to run a business, you have to be willing to spend money on stuff that doesn't belong to you. You have to be willing to pay for training courses for your staff, pay for them to kind of grow. And 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 the hope is that you're doing that and then that you're buying loyalty, that they will have your back and they will improve their skill set which improves the company's outlook that they'll tell all their friends about you know that it, yeah. it becomes much more of a kind of ownership okay so remember that earlier when i told you that we was going to have some wayne music today this one i just let it come it's a little piece from regular appearer reese crowver and it's titled ramsey's song and it's named after a friend of ours called Ramsey. I don't know if it's actually him on sax, but... It's 
lots of dedication to him. So sit back and relax for the next couple minutes. Take a break from all the finance talk. And let the music melt over you like butter on a big old pile of pancakes. chatterbox landscapers you've ever seen people always <laughs> comment on us and we came up with an idea where he said to me one day he wanted to be a counselor like a like a to counsel people uh but he he's a bit like he, he's a he, he does great landscaping and then i thought well i imagine the government said right will you do a counseling course and then you take on new students that might need a counselor but through the medium of work and then through that you get a tax break because you're you're specializing in two professions you know and you've got to like put together like you you are now more valuable if you know what i mean to yourself and and do you know do you see where i'm going with that like this sort of making people feel more important in the community i do i do i think engagement is is really important in everything we do and it's you know if uh, even even with like your finances and stuff like that, the amount when I worked for the banks, it was really interesting. I used to get people. This is the early nineties, and people used to come in, and of course I'm sat there in a suit, but really they, all they were looking at was their bank, right? I wasn't an individual really. Um, and yeah, I remember this this girl. She came to. She wanted a home improvement loan, and she had she had hardly any income. There's no way they were going to lend her the money, and she said, um, she said, but I don't understand. It's it's your house. You've basically got the mortgage on it. I'm improving your house, and I went, "No, that's not how it works. <laughs> it's not. Our, it's not ours. It's yours. It's your debt. You owe the money." Yeah, and, and yeah. the perception that really, when you work in a bank as an advisor, you really get to know people's kind of emotional attachment to to money and all things financial. 
it was really interesting. I remember one guy come in, it was horrible really. He hadn't paid his mortgage for a year and uh, they were repossessing his house literally that day. The, he, was, he was supposed to be in court, but he came to the bank. And I said, I don't know what you want me to, because I didn't know anything about it. He just literally turned up <clears throat> and he said, I'm losing my house. You're taking my house. And I said, but you haven't paid your mortgage for a year. Why didn't you ring us? He hadn't made any contact whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. And he said, and he, he just said, well, I didn't know what to do. And I was like, well, and it's really, because I was quite young then. So, because I didn't, I couldn't really connect with, you know, the. The struggle. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and. And I, but I'm, I'm, I'm probably, and it was really horrible, but I probably did say it like, I probably just went, but you've not paid your mortgage. You know, like almost like <laughs> the, the wrong way to do it. But it, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. thinking, why didn't you pay your mortgage? The most important debt you've got. And he, and he said, well, the credit card companies rang me every day. They just did my head in. So I paid them. I couldn't deal with them ringing me. Yeah. And because the bank didn't ring him, they just wrote to him. He could ignore it. Yeah. And and it's really interesting because of all those things that could hurt him the most, it was the one that was shouting the, the least. They just took him to court and took his house off him. Yeah. And yeah. and it's it's I just think that sometimes and but if he didn't engage if it's about understanding what's yours, I think, and, and trying to engage with it. If I'm more interested in your savings than you are, it's not working, is it? So, so burying the head in the sand is a big problem with finances. I do, do I do understand it because it's horrible, and and I, you know, I saw a lot of it in two thousand and eight. I actually felt a bit like a counselor in two thousand and eight because people were ringing me, going, "I don't know what to do," you know. Just friends of yours that knew that, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I just don't know where, and they were hiding the post or not opening them, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I said, "You've just got to ring the. I know it's hard. You've got to ring them." Because the thing is, these companies, probably more now, actually, but they do, they have departments that will engage with you because they're set up to sort of say, we know you're in trouble. These are the options. These are the standard options. Can we, will these work? And if they won't work, well, then we go to other options, you know, because they, they, they have to be seen to try. They can't just, especially when it's like your house kind of thing. Um, yeah. But I understand when people have taken maybe other, you know, because we're talking people who've got mortgages and probably have, in a way, are not that financially unsecure. They just have moments of insecurity. Yeah. But there are people that, you know, are all that that struggle much more, you know, which is why we've got food banks. And talking about Epsom and Yule, you know, that food bank, I went down to see them because we wanted to sponsor them um, or, or, or kind of work with them. And honestly, it was it was terrifying just how how busy they were yeah you know yeah i think they handed out i I did a live stream with him and it was like a hundred and i don't even know how many it was hundred like up to hundreds of thousands th- three day things last year i don't know yeah. it was crazy yeah they, they're handing out insane amounts and for for episode for the, the richest borough outside of london to have such an active food bank yeah i think it's insane and i think that you know if you compare that to like poorer areas because their sense of community community is there a lot stronger you know there's more people in it so there's it's a bigger issue you know i think because we, we were saying at the 2008 surely everybody can't just be throwing out their house you know there will be a point at the moment they, they've put an eviction haven't they um the eviction yeah. you can't evict people and they've extended it a month or something because it's like it's simply like you cannot just do that to everyone it's really no i think and, and this sounds horrible, but it's it's a little bit mercenary for the government too. Because if you become homeless, where do you go? You go to the you go to the state, and so in a way, the state are kind of almost protecting themselves too from a deluge of homeless people, looking yeah. you know looking for you know temporary accommodation or whatever. Because if you've got children, they've got to try and help you. And I don't think that they've got the ability to help when there's like a you know the the, like the yeah. at the seams as it is. Yeah. I, you know, so I think a lot of the time governments put these these things on. And actually, I mean, since 08, they've made it very difficult for a, a mortgage lender or much more difficult to just repossess. Um, in court, I know that they, they check the lender and they say, well, why did you lend the money? You know, and they, they put the onus on the lending as as much as the borrower. All right, yeah. Um, 
And sometimes if it's not too horrendous, they might just make the lending, they might say, look, these arrears, you're just going to have to put them on the mortgage and let them pay it and just leave them where they are. If, if yeah. it looks sustainable. So mm. Whereas historically, maybe they did just let them repossess. I think on the landlord thing, it's slightly different. It's, 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 it's where they're stopping landlords sort of effectively taking their property, property back for what the, you know. But even, even once they remove that blockage, you have landlords still have to take people to court and I, and I know a few landlords and, and probably because there's going to be a massive backlog in in courts i think landlords will be stuck with properties maybe for about another maybe year to 18 months even if they tried to repossess like today yeah because of the the, the process they've got to there's just not enough bailiffs yeah to to basically do it so are we are we in the midst of a future fine another future financial difficulties with the furlough scheme and stuff in your opinion like i i, I listen I, I i like talking to someone like you because i come from a workforce and surrounded by people that are constantly saying now this is it now we're just gonna be paying back all these debts for like for the next 20 years and they're gonna trap us in our corners with it all because this is the plan like what like and it'd be nice to talk to a professional so like what 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 can i tell these people when they start saying that sort of stuff to me about what's to come this is gonna sound weird um if we lived a lot longer if we lived for 200 years rather than 70 or 80, I think we'd have a different perspective on the longevity of money. You've got to remember that the UK was here when we were born and will be here when we die, right? So company, a country owing money is vastly different to an individual. And I think we try to put it in our own perspective. So you'll see like columns in, in newspapers going, you know, if you've got a credit card and you're spending more than you that's coming in, how, you know, and so on. And they try and liken it to a personal financial situation, it don't work like that. So I'll give you a little history lesson. Um, the last time we owed, as a country, we owed 100% of our, our income, GDP, was just at the end of the Napoleonic Wars. Now, we survived that. Yeah. Um, at the end of the Second World War, I think we owed about 60% of our GDP. So, um, <clears throat> you know, we and again, we survived that. So... The country just keeps going. It's more about um, how they're doing it. At the moment, you know, we are, we're a sovereign nation, which means we print our own money. Um, so in a way, the country can never go bankrupt because they can literally just print money. If they owe people money, they can print it. Yeah. But the yeah. more there is of it, the less of that perceived value it has. So that's where they have to manage sort of expectations, I guess, because where we're an importer of goods you can't afford for the pound to fall too much or become less value. And that's where this all comes from. So if the Gov if the Bank of England can keep borrowing, at the moment they seem to be borrowing from themselves, it's a bit weird. But um, there's always going to be that. And, and if you think about the tools that the government has, it, it can print money, which it, you know, it can lend itself money, which is what it seems to be doing at the moment. And it can tax people. That's it. But it does have international income because most of the people, that, or most of, not people, but most of government debt is, is, is bought by um, other nations or, you know, foreign investors. So, so yeah, so basically sort of money, if, if we were to look at, to come back outside of our individual experience and look at us on the timeline, it would, it, you know, you'd look at it differently. Like it will get, it will sort of balance itself yeah. after all. I, somebody, I was reading a book the other day, and it described it really put how uh, how money is imaginary you know it's it's an, it's an imaginary concept we all believe in you know and it it, it can sort of be altered and changed uh, like you say with, with the bank of england lending itself money basically like is it just is it just the be- is it just the best thing we have like the best thing we have um in, to keep everybody uh, running smoothly I think I think it's um, it's what we're used to. It's funny when you um, when you look back and you see how did money or you know how did it arrive, as it were. And yeah. I suppose it um, it came. You know, there's there's lots of different historical kind of connotations, but realistically, they were you know the Romans had money, didn't they? I mean, if you go, you can keep going yeah. back. And before money, I guess it was what you had. You sold your skill. You sold. Or you bartered, you know, you swapped, I don't know, a cucumber for a carrot or something. I don't know. You know where, you know, so a farmer yeah, yeah. who grew vegetables 
would rely on the goat herder and vice versa, right? And and then when money arrived, yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose what money did was allow people to transport their goods without taking their goods. So if you could sell your if you could sell your goat, right? You don't have to carry your goat around because you've got, <laughs> you've got a gold coin. And that gold little gold goat that you can do that. Yeah. yeah, I promise you. I promise you. I have. One. I do have one. Uh, you can't see him, but I've got him. He's here. Yeah. And in a way, and and um, a lot. So my favourite ever thing because I, you know, I do, I do, I do read. I think it's important to read and get di- different perspectives and different historical viewpoints. And like travel money, do we all remember? I don't, you know, back back in the day, like I'm some ancient person. Um, <laughs> Travel money. We used to go and buy money to take. You know, you used to get travellers' checks, right? Little envelope. Yeah, <laughs> you go into I don't know. Let, let's say Thomas Cook or whatever, and say here's a grand, and they give you travellers' checks to the value of a grand. So wherever you rock up, you go. I've got a grand. Yeah, but it's at Thomas Cook. <laughs> yeah. So they'll probably <laughs> give you it if I write this thing. And in a way, that's what happened in the Crusades because the. What used to happen was the Crusaders would give all their goods to the monasteries to look after, and they'd give them literally like travellers' check money to go yeah. running off and do what they did. And then when they come back, they had to give them either their goods back or, you know, they were still there. And that's how it's always, you know, there's always been this exchange of something for something. And that's all yeah. money is, isn't it? Bottom line. And yeah, then, yeah. I sub- and it used to be based on the gold standard till probably about, I think, the early 70s, top of the head. So the Bank of England was supposed to have gold that represented what the promises. That's that were. what I heard. Yeah. Does that not happen anymore? No, that disappeared in, in the 70s. Um, we still have gold, um, but we don't. If I suppose, arguably, money exists now when you sign a form in that this is what happened in 08 to, in a way that that kind of financial crisis was created by. I mean, it's. I mean, nine eleven was probably the precursor. So nine eleven happened. Obviously, the, the America thought there would be a financial crisis, and just just because of the nerves of the whole physicality of watching those those towers. Yeah, right? insane. Yeah. So he uh, Bush dropped interest rates historically low to try and stop a panic on like financially, and um, he reduced a lot of um, the the reserves that a bank would have. So let's say a bank every time you so let's time you you know you go to NatWest and you say I want to borrow hundred grand, um, historically they might have had to have fifty grand on deposit for that hundred thousand they've just promised to lend you. So in other words, they're lending sort of two for one. So they've got fifty grand on deposit, so they can lend a hundred thousand because worst yeah. case scenarios they've still got fifty. That was removed. So what ha- what was happening was they were literally you would sign your mortgage form that created the money. The money didn't exist. It was it, it it existed on the fact that it was a promise that you would repay that money over a period of time. That money, those numbers appeared on a balance sheet somewhere, and then they were reality. Yeah, even though it, so, then the 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 bank that was owed the money, they would treat it as if they already had that money, Correct. basically, and then and then they would then that set start number, yeah, lending lending it out, and then eventually there's just not, that this doesn't exist anymore, yeah. and. This is how this is how the 08 crisis happened. I had that sort of rough understanding with um, the Big Short. If you've seen that, that sort of that sort of explained it to me. Yeah, it's, it's because if you think about it, what the bank is saying. So you know, you've borrowed money from 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 a from Bank A, and then they say to Bank B, who's who or the person you're buying the house from, they say, "Well, my bank account's here, so that's you know bank account B. So bank account A transfers those numbers, so take, puts them as zero and puts them into that bank account. There's no money. There's no. just a set of numbers that move from this balance sheet to that balance sheet based yeah. on your signature and the perceived value of the property because there's a, I suppose the reality, the underlying tangible asset is the property you've just bought. And as long as that property stays valuable, we're all okay. You keep paying the mortgage, the house is worth X, that money technically exists. <laughs> yeah. When that house price falls and you lose your job, that money doesn't exist anymore. That's it. In a yeah. very simplified nutshell. I mean, obviously there's a lot of complexities in that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the reality. It's, it's a, but it's a perception we're all happy with, isn't it? Because we do it every day. 
well, we see, I know this is what this book opened my eyes up to. It was like, when you go and like, you know, you go and tap your card for that coffee, like, like you, you just, you just, it, there's an exchange going on and we're all just believing that this, well, this tap of this card must be worth this coffee. Yeah. Why? I don't want to overhype A habit of romanticising Looking for perfect all the time Ignore the overhanging vices But here's my thesis She's the queen kinesis Makes me dream up sweet releases I'm defeated I miss her on the weekend Thoughts of her repeating She don't even know that I'm existing Will she hear this? I guess what we have in common The parallel lines are day Your laptop and now we're if that I guess what we have in common The parallel lines are day Your laptop and now we're if that Well I'm stunned Wondering how to overcome Set myself up to fail, well done Sit back and regroup Ruminate to get through I guess what we have in common The parallel lines are day overlaps Half an hour if that I guess what we have in common The parallel lines are day overlaps Half an hour if that Existing, will she hear this? I guess what we have in common Parallel lights are day overlaps Half an hour if that I guess what we have in common Parallel lights are day overlaps Half an hour if that I guess what we have in common Parallel lights are day overlaps Half an hour if that I guess what we have in common The parallel lines are day overlaps Half an hour if that this battle isn't there between sort of people maybe my generation and everyone saying you guys are just too woke you know and there is a problem with people being too woke I think in a way but then there is there was also nothing wrong I think with people demanding and looking towards not demanding but looking towards the most ethical way we can be living especially in this borough second richest borough outside of London and a very well we in one of the richest countries in the world it would be our responsibility really to having gone through all the things that have made us world leaders so we have accumulated the most knowledge it would make sense that then we would be more responsible with with how we use it because we've witnessed the mistakes so it i think people say oh well you're all right being you're all right being woke sitting where you are in your borough in your town and it's like yeah but it's actually our responsibility to be this conscious about what we're doing you know because 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 there's, there's not really much else we can do you know we are consumers and we're probably one of the high-end consumers so we got to set the precedent for people that consume and i think that sort of uh would be my my my, my argument to 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 people that say well stop being so woke if you know what i mean and i'm not saying no, i'm talking more about in this conversation business and things like that and how we consume no i do get it but you can use your money like so you know, imagine when you're working for a charity and they offer you like that because everyone every employer has to offer a pension so imagine you're you're working for a charity and they can't offer you some sort of ethical or sustainable option within your pension so you could actually be investing in stuff that you're kind of working against on your daily on a daily basis you know so if you work for i don't know friends of the earth for example and then your pension you might not want your pension investing in certain industries because every day you're saying let's let's change those industries <laughs> and so you know so it's good to be able to 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 be able to think and go actually have a bit of strategic thinking because i think that's all woke is 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 people think starting to think more strategically and and more critically but you know that nobody likes change and so the people that you're trying to change are the ones using that word not the ones who are actually 
you know, woke yeah. coming from the people who yeah, yeah. asked to change, not the ones who are asking for the changing to happen. Yeah, and, sure. You know, that's always always the way. And I, and I do think, you know, that sort of, I guess, you know, the millennials and then Generation X and Y and whatever you want to label them, it's just maybe they don't have the rose-tinted glasses because they've, got, they've had access to so much more information since birth. They're not frightened of, of, of what I would call the truth. In other words, they don't mind the negative. They can handle the negative as well as the positive, whereas maybe historically we only got to saw the po- see more positive than negative because the, the narrative was controlled by the advertising, where now the advertising is the veneer and then we go and dig deeper. So, I, you know, that, that's where I see that. And, and, and I get it's uncomfortable for companies because, unfortunately, to make a profit, they do do things that maybe, you know, like, you know, outsourcing manufacturing to countries that don't have great, you know, employee kind of rights and all that, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, so and, and and equally equally like you say that but people are using this is this is where the, this is where people need to look in the mirror you are still using those products and you still look you still exist in a world where those yeah. products are everywhere so it's very easy to critique but someone might be like well stop using all the products and people aren't people aren't willing to do that because then if they really were willing to do that then the companies would make a u-turn on there on so there's a lot of hypocrisy and i think um the the massive thing people need to do now is admit they're wrong, you know, it's, and that's what people aren't willing to do, you know, like on, on both sides, what if you want to say sides of any of any area is turning around and going, OK, well, look, you're, you are also doing thing wrong, things wrong as well. And then if we can all sort of have a conversation on that basis that we're all wrong, then weirdly we'd have a, a more right conversation. Well, you're right, yeah, because you, you are. You can't be 100% ethical because it's, there isn't enough of a, of a product base to allow you to be that way. So again, like in Teddington, because only because my offices are here. Um, so in Teddington, we got a shop that's open that allows you to, you know, buy stuff, but you take your own packaging. So mm. if you want to buy some washing up liquid, you can take a bottle from your house, and you know they don't provide it, that. So yeah, yeah, you know. But then someone, I guarantee you, someone will say, "I bet they drive there though," you know. So, but you. <laughs> But you've got you, but you you got to go. Well, yeah, but at least if they dropped it by fifty percent rather than just ignored it completely and carried on, at least they're making a bit of a change. Because change, I don't think anything can change overnight because we can't cope with it. Look at the pandemic. The pandemic yeah. changed our lives overnight, didn't it? And, and yeah. we've struggled with it. Let's be honest. So all change has to just be a gradual, constant, consistent kind of structure, really, so that we can all catch up with it. Um, and, and when we don't get those gradual movements, it, it make life it, life becomes a little bit harder for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the best tool we have kind of is the internet, isn't it now, to, to do that. And maybe there's just not uh, internet literate people might might oppose it. And, and I don't know. I, what about, and this is what I know if we've gone over the hour now, but I can edit things uh, if you've got the time, but they, oh. they say that the, the, the wealth, the, the wealth is um, being held in a particular generation, you know, so there's a generation that reap the rewards um, and let's say, you know, 50, maybe 50 to 70 or, and, and they reap those rewards, but instead of it going back into the, the, the younger generations, it's being held and stored um and what's your view, what's your view on that well it's true really um but it's i think so if we look at the uk because it's you know because we all understand it a little bit better i mean house prices or well, let's be honest, most people it's because the the value the value of a you know an individual normally is held within their property right because there was a generation that bought their houses probably post-war not many people then gradually from the 60s onwards everyone was buying houses um but real house price growth came from about 1996 onwards, um, which was when we got past the 80s and double-digit inflation and negative equity, et cetera, et cetera. But if we look at studies, um, 60% of baby boomers, so what's that, people born probably in the sort of 60s, 70s, um, owned their own homes by the time they were 30. Um, yeah. Which, if I say that out loud now to people, it sounds mad, doesn't it? Owning your own house by the time you're 30. It doesn't seem mm. normal. And the reality is 30% of millennials meet that statistic. 
So, and it's because, you know, if you want to buy a flat, which probably around here is still like three, 400,000, minimum 10% deposit, where do you get 40 grand from? Especially if you leave school with 50 grand's worth of uni debt. Yeah. It's a, just a different dynamic. So it's un, not unusual that, or it's not, I don't think it's, or it isn't for me, I guess, surprising that people do have those levels. You know, you're seeing that disparity of kind of property ownership, therefore wealth. Um, but I think we're not, we don't share it as much because I think there's a generation now that are retiring early, retiring in their 50s, because actually, or 50, you know, because they want to live, they saw their parents probably die in their six, at 65, 70, and they don't want to be that. They yeah. don't want to stop work and have five years left. And so what people are doing, I think, is retire, trying to work out how do I give up work early so I can actually enjoy the assets or the money that I have actually accumulated. And so maybe they're going to spend it so there'll be a generation that doesn't have an element of inheritance because those inheritances have naturally passed along over the years. When we are doing a lot more work with people, the amount of younger people actually coming in and asking for pensions and savings and and even wills, which 80% of the population has never really bothered with, you know, people are more thinking now about, or, or grandparents, I'm rambling now, but, you know, we and grandparents coming in saying, how can I give money away now? You know, because they are seeing their grandkids not being able to buy a house and their yeah. grandchildren not being able to, you know, debt up to the eyeballs, all that kind of stuff. And, and most of it is because they can't give it away because it's in their house. You know, we look at what you're worth is different to what you've got. Because if you've got a house, you don't have money, you have an asset. Yeah. yeah. And so, ironically, people are then borrowing again. So you're doing, uh, you know, equity release where you're releasing money from the property of a of two generations away, maybe, to try and, you know, funnel it backwards. It's I think that's and that market is really growing. So I'm seeing that. I think it, I think there is a realization with people that they're all right, but their kids and their grandkids aren't. They are struggling, but yeah, you know, but but it's only if you've got the house that you can obviously send it backwards. Um, yeah, and not everyone's got that. To be fair, um, but you're right. I think um, I think wage, you know, wages haven't grown for years, not in reality, and so the younger generations they do have less disposable income because rent is horrendous by comparison to owning. Yeah, and once you're renting, you can't say it's very hard to save. You know, I look at my daughter, she's 17, and I just think, well, what would she buy? Where, how, when's she going to buy a house? The average age, I think, of a first-time buyer is 38 now. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it. So it's, yeah. it, is, it is, the fundamentals are changing. You can't get away from data. <laughs> it is what it is. And, and they need to save more of their income for retirement if they want to retire. You know, so I think... There's a realization maybe with your generation that you're thinking well, I'm going to be working till I'm you know in my seventies to to have the same life that maybe my grandparents had when they were in their fifties. Yeah, I think understanding that, that our generation understands that you know, and that's sort of the noise that's being, that's <laughs> being made. And it, and um, I I think you know I think we need my generation needs to learn how to say it nicer. I think is a big thing. And I know there's a history of rebelling and I, re and I love a protest. Don't get me wrong. And I do appreciate making noise, but I don't think it's received as well. Um, and I think that people, media can play on that uh, and, and skew what, what we're trying to say from yeah. down here um, with, with what's going on. Um, I, I, I also want to say, um, you know, that the Davos convention where all the billionaires meet up, yeah. um, they did their convention this year. And the number one rule that they, they, they said was you will, you will have nothing and you will be happy with it. Um, do you have any idea what they meant by that? I think it's something about rent, like, like them, the state owning everything and them renting everything out to everyone or along those lines. I, I, I hear lots because I do get people, you know, ask me all about all sorts of conspiracy theories. And um, yeah. I think when you get a lot of wealthy people talking, because you only have to look at like, that. So if we look at, you know, we've heard a lot about the Americans. Um, we did furlough. They did their kind of, yeah. you know, whatever, COVID relief payment. And, and it's almost yeah. like you're, they're saying, well, you know, they argued over whatever it was, $1,200. 
and you're thinking, well, it's almost like wealthy people deciding what poor people think is a lot of money. So they come up with a figure yeah. about 1,200 quid because they maybe, what do you base that on? And it, it's not always about the affordability of the estate or the state. It could be, they thought, well, they'll, what's the what's the tolerance level that they think that's a, that's a good amount of money? And so it's all about perception of, you know, what, what they think. I think, um, and it has been coming a while. If you heard, if you hear, like even Norway and some of those sort of Nor- Nordic type of countries have talked about um, an income for the population, like a basic income. Basic universal income, yeah. Um, and so, and, and some of that could be, like the workforce is going to find it very hard this decade because the internet, you know, and, and online kind of sales and, and even as we move more towards the AI, artificial intelligence, doing lots more things, even my job, you know, there's going to be a lot of jobs that become superfluous, really, um, over the next decade. And I think the workforce is going to have a tough decade of change and then trying to keep up. The workforce is generally, globally, quite, um, you know, fluid, but it's it's going to have to work harder because I think a lot of jobs will change, even like mortgage underwriting, you know, which, you know, you've got a team of people in a bank somewhere doing that. And AI could do that, really. A lot of the work. Just pop in your details and it'll tell you yeah. what the equation is and what you need to do. Yeah. So I think this is personal opinion. So you are yeah. going to get you are going to get that. So where you hear and sometimes you've got, you know, it's all about the context of how it's been said. But the reality is, is that maybe people won't own stuff. My daughter doesn't own her own music. She doesn't own. Um, her own video games you know i had i showed her my record collection she's never seen them you know we used to yeah, buy physical yeah. things <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know so the stretch if you stretch that to maybe they won't own a house maybe they won't own certain things maybe they'll never own a car maybe they just you know do those smart you know where there's a car parked on a road and you just pay an app and you, I'll pay it. you know and it, so it could be it depends how you word that you know, could be how it goes because do we need what do we need to own? It's it's about I think it's trying to find for me, it's trying to find that do we need to own a car or do we just need to own a car when we need it? Kind of Yeah, yeah. And is and and well this is and this is I sort of think, you know, that God forbid I'm agreeing with the billionaires. But I think <laughs> the idea I think the idea of you know everything just being available to you, you know, like and 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 having this universal basic income from my maybe it's just the echo chambers that i scroll through but it's been really popular and worked really well you know um just giving people it actually found that their financial situation got better mm. because there's also that that like we said that stress and that relief that that, that, that comes from okay i'm fine i'm fine I'm a, I'm a human being i want to do better i don't want to sit around doing nothing all day but mm. like, i'm i'm inquisitive and i'm this and i'm that here's my thing now i have that space to be that and from there it, there on is born a lot more um yeah. you know a lot a, a, who knows what who that breeds and we we well, we haven't got the time to chat about cryptos for sure but um when when with the uh with the with the ideas that small companies now can invent their coin to, to, to get invested in and if i'm particularly interested in the production of lamps for instance that's next to me and i think that the lamp is too bright and there's this technology on the other side of the world that's they're really interested for people like me with blue eyes and they're colorblind to create a light like that i can find that company direct that my, my my finance that way and hopefully get a return because you know and you're investing in each other and ideas are being invested in more than just pretend ideas if you know what i mean and and, and I mirages think, i mean if let's say the government said to everybody we're all going to give you 500 quid a month regardless of who you are we're giving you 500 quid a month for for many many people that would be such a lifeline that would re- yeah. reduce so much stress that they then probably could think about actually, what could I do for a living? What do I want to do? What could I create? You know, there's a lot of creative people that can't create because stress stops everything. Yeah, yeah. I know a few musicians who haven't worked for a year, can't do, you know, like, especially if you're a session musician where you're reliant on being in a studio or backing up a group, you know, there is no work. There has been no work. And that's, and they don't even know when work will come. (laughs) No, no, yeah. So it's, if you, and I suppose I could see it from two, because you could, if you look, if you change the prism, you would see, well, that's the, just them controlling us. And I get that. 
but there's elements of it where but if you thought slightly different you think that would really help and then I could get on with this over here you know it's not them saying you can't do things it's saying you probably won't want to do those things in the future and the point of Davos let's be honest is is is, is you know wealthy people working out how to maintain wealth and if you're yeah. if you're Amazon and you're thinking well if everyone's unemployed they don't have a business do they because where what are you going to buy with no money and if no one and if no one's purchasing, you know, I like that. You know, you have to be realistic. I saw this video the other day about like everybody is trying to live beyond their means, and if we could all accept, and I know it's a really bitter pill to taste, but if you could, if you can accept who you are and where you are and what you are, you can begin your whole life on a new footstep. You know, I, and if I'm going to be really cynical for a second, you didn't invent the train, you didn't invent the car, you didn't invent the the, the, the postal system. You were born into this world where, where it occurs, you know. So, yeah. so what again, what right do you have to it? You know, and, and I understand the guy born into it might not have a right, but life, you know, life is sort of like that. He he is in that position where he controls that thing. So if them services were still available to us and we were grateful for them services, you know, we are, I'm, I'm grateful for the world I live in. Some people on the other side of the world don't have any of this. Doesn't even necessarily buy you happiness, for instance. People, you, I've been to other countries where the poorer people have got massive smiles on their face and I walk down Epsom High Street and they've all got frowns on their face. So what, what, what we're trying, in my opinion, trying to do is maybe relinquish some of that control that we that we think and perceive that we have you know and go right okay so here's everything running for me here's all my services um i just want a bit of time to be me now you know and if you stop trying to be some person trying to be some special thing you might find a lot more a lot a lot more sort of um you know and i'm not i'm perfected this but this is what i'm trying to do towards you know trying to find that happiness in in in, in what is and what is there what's around um if if there's things that you maybe you didn't own anything but you had access to it what's the difference yeah do, do you know what i mean like what, what what is the difference uh you still have it you can still use it i mean the idea that video games you know exist you know like and me and my mates play for hours and hours and hours on the exact same map but we are the ones creating our fun do you know what I mean? If yeah, I think about it, yeah. like there's like twelve. There's twelve maps on Call of Duty. Well, I've played it for probably over a thousand hours this year because of um, because of the way lockdown is. You know, the map was supplied to us, and we have the fun against other people. You know, so if we could more, you know, just see see it all as a platform for us to enjoy rather than hours. If you know what I mean, yeah, It'd be quite cool. Yeah, it's just access to something that you need when you want it. That's it. Yes, you know, it's not removing control because you, you didn't have control in the first place you know no you never you never, you never had it I, and it, if we we're going to get meta deep for a second really really deep i was born into a world where language i'm using right now was gifted to me i never invented these words that are coming out of my mouth you know like i i went to school and school said here are words here are how you use those words and here are how you structure i i owe that to school you know it's, yeah. thanks school you we have to use one. so you know and then, you know obviously I, I i'm not saying relinquish everything to but but be be more mindful of, of where what where we have what we have where it came from like in, in a way and and listen if you want ambition go for it you know if you want it that is that's within your liberty where we live you can go for anything you want to go for and i'm all for fighting for a world where if you really put the hours and you get there which i don't think is necessarily happening at the moment either so you know making it more inclusive for everyone but for some for some yeah for some people just just sort of be more appreciative of of what of what we've been what we've been given really yeah i think so i think i think it's um i think i I do i just think it's important even only you know i i I run a business but some days it owns me and some days i own it and that's the way yeah yeah and (laughs) And that's a, that's a that's a that's a brilliant uh, metaphor to end on. Sometimes we own it, sometimes it own us. Okay, uh, well, look, Michael, thank you so much for coming on, man. Um, um, I, I hope it was worth the trip <laughs> into into. It's, it's, how far away? How far away is the office for you? Oh, it's not that far. I've got some stuff. It's it's more. I've been thinking myself. I want to do engage more online and this has been really good to do because it's it's a confidence thing as well you know because i'm not my daughter is always you know doing like that but i'm not i'm not i don't come from a generation that filmed everything you know and that's the end of another why aren't you normal epsom podcast the epsom based community project that is running over from epsom hospital radio 
and currently from my kitchen. I think I'm going to keep doing intros from my kitchen. I don't really enjoy the view. Alex is currently putting something in the bin. She's making us something for dinner. Looks very nice. Maxie's. A confused conversation. Three of them all around. It almost looks as if something could be broken. They're definitely talking about something. Um, still looking quiet in there. As I said earlier, maybe next next time I'll do an intro, will be on a Friday and we'll have some more action to report. Aside from that, it's quarter past eight on the 6th. Have a good, have a good week. I really hope you do. And I'll see you next time. I was going to say I love you. Maybe I do love you. <laughs> no, I'm going to delete that bit. <laughs>